This is Taking Action Today with Michael Alder, episode 37. We're going virtual on this one. What's up, everybody? You know I keep preaching about networking, but today I have my buddy Mike Miller on the show. We actually met off of Fiverr's platform. He had a lot of real estate info products. I liked what he had going on, and I could tell he was an investor. So I just reached out to him, sent him my number. I said, hey, if you got some time, give me a call. I'm an investor in Cleveland, Ohio. He hit me back. Next thing you know, we hit it off, jumped on the phone for 20 minutes, and that's how you build your team. So let's get right into this. You're going to find out what he has to say. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So we had jumped on a phone call about a week ago and ended up talking for about 20 minutes about you working a full-time job, you're a family man, and yet you've been able to build a real estate business, wholesaling real estate, on the side. Now, can you take us back and tell us how you got started on this? Yeah, it's been a, it's actually been an interesting journey, that's for sure. Um, but as far as taking me back, or taking me back to the beginning, uh, I started about in November of 2014. I started really looking into alternatives uh, for income because I work a lot. Um, my my um, my friends and I kind of joke about our um, our schedule that I'm, a, I'm an insurance adjuster and we work what we say half days, 12 hours at a time. Uh, so, you know, we work quite a few hours, uh, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, and we travel a lot across the country and away from our families and everything. So I was really, really looking for a way to get away from that, have a little more time freedom, still be able to support my family, you know, comfortably, uh, but, uh, you know, definitely wanted to change. And I really started doing a lot of, uh, looking around. I've always had an interest in real estate and, uh, I decided that, uh, I would just go ahead and jump on in full force about January one. I did about a couple, a uh, couple months of investigation, if you will, looked at a lot of courses, bought a couple things online and, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts and webinars and things like that. And I decided I'm just going to take serious, serious action and plow forward and do this. And I've just, I haven't looked back. I've, uh, you know, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs through the year, uh, but, uh, you know, it's been great. Learned a lot and, and done several deals. No, that's awesome. And, you know, what's great about this is you decided to take action. You actually took action and you were successful at it. You know, most people, everybody wants to do this, but they're scared to death to get in and they end up doing nothing. Um, So it was your hectic work schedule and wanting more family time that actually pushed you into getting started? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's my biggest motivator. Absolutely. I I mean, you you know, when you work, I've worked uh, since 2000. Uh, 12, middle of 2012, I've worked more than 66 hours a week every week since then. I haven't had any time off. Uh, I believe I had a week and a half off back in 2013, but that's it. Six to six or seven days a week, uh, minimum of 66 hours. So really, man, just, just missing out on my kids' birthday parties and, you know, miss, you know, losing a tooth and first dance recital and t-ball and all those things, you know, missing out on those things. And not being there to support my wife at home to help her with the kids and things. So that's my, that has been, or it was, and it is currently my biggest motivator to move forward and not give up. No, that's awesome. It's great that you did take the action on it. What, uh, what got you started? Because, I mean, I see so many roadblocks in your way that you can make excuses. I mean, you're overworked. You have to spend time with your kids. And usually that's enough right there where people say, I just don't have time. How did you actually get in this and successfully complete your first deal? <laughs> Um, you know, honestly, I was so mentally motivated that I just, I I had to get creative. And it's interesting because 
Mike, I've been forced to go into virtual investing from day one. You know, a lot of people say, you know, definitely get a first couple, get your first couple deals done. Uh, you know, traditionally, go go shake hands, go you know sign paperwork, go look at the properties, take photos, put the lockbox on, go take your buyers through things like that. I mean, that's more the traditional route. And they say once you do that and you get comfortable, then go to another market maybe and expand that way. But because I was stuck in a cubicle all day, and, and I say stuck, but I've been you know very blessed and, and fortunate to have that income and that you know that 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 job has been great for sure, and it still is. Um, but it forced me to get creative and have to go virtual from day one. So it's made me figure out outside-of-the-box techniques. Uh, it's forced me to really, really hone in and find team members that can assist me to partner up on deals. You know, they may be going to inspect properties, go get paperwork done for me, go make some calls here and there. And we all come together uh, with one goal and one, you know, one mindset to get these deals done. And, you know, it's allowed me to sit in that cubicle and still get deals done. That's so awesome. Because, like, you know, you and I both know virtual wholesaling is the hot thing right now. And like you just said, oh, yeah. most people want to go hands-on. They learn what they're doing. I'll be honest with you. The only virtual deal I've ever done was buying some raw land in Florida. Everything I do is still hands-on. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all ears on yeah. this as well right now. Yeah, it's uh, funny. I mean, I was virtual from literally day one. Without I mean, any other I option. I tell you. Yeah, with, because I had no option. That's what it was. That's so uh, awesome. You know, I... And I, I refused to uh, to make that an excuse. I just figured out, you know, there are people that are doing it, and you know, if they can do it, you know, they all, it's kind of cliche, but if they can do it, I can do it. And that's, you know, and I just push forward and, and continue to learn and, and make changes as you know, certain things would work, certain things wouldn't, certain people would work out as a team member, some wouldn't. So, you know, we just kind of make uh, constant changes on the path, but but we're getting it done. Right. Now, did you did you start building the team before you started scouting deals? Mm, that's a great question. Boy, <laughs> I've done a lot this year. I'm trying to think about exactly right. what I did. Uh, you know, I don't believe that I actually looked for the team. And that's probably one thing that, that you know, probably slowed me down at the beginning, honestly, uh, because the team is super important. But, but really, if I think about it, uh, it's probably it was probably best that I actually did a little bit of recon on my own and learning the market and kind of learning the lingo and learning, you know, kind of determining what I didn't know because because in the beginning you don't know what you don't know, you know. Right. So that's kind of an interesting statement, uh, but you know you don't know what you don't know at the beginning. So even if you were to stumble across maybe a good partner or team member that could help you out, you may not even know it in the beginning. Uh, so I kind of had to learn the hard way doing things on my own and going, okay, yeah, this is an area I don't know anything about, or this is an area I don't have time to do because I'm here in the cubicle during the business hours. So I've got to find somebody that can help me, you know, get this part of the process done. Uh, so no, I didn't, I didn't, uh, from what I remember, I didn't build a lot of team at the beginning. It was more, um, investigating, uh, you know, what the buyers wanted, uh, which has definitely been key throughout my whole uh, journey here, uh, to investigating what they wanted and also determining how I could get those leads, getting the phone ringing and things like that. So that's what I focused on. Then about, mm, I would say about three, four months ago, 
I really, really started uh, team building and, and really focusing on buyers almost exclusively, and then saw my, my business really explode from that point. No, this is good. So let's let's back up just a little bit. You were focusing on building your buyers list. Let's dive into that because I think that's, at least in our end of the marketplace, that's one of the bigger hurdles is the exit strategy. Now, in your market, it might yeah. be locating deals. Well, let's get into the buyer part first. What were you doing to find your buyers? You know, at the beginning, um, I actually, I had a, a friend, a, a mentor, I would call him, and I still do, and uh, we've actually become friends throughout the, the journey here, but I met someone on Bigger Pockets, and we, we kind of hit it off and, you know, had several conversations, email, phone, text, and decided that we kind of had the same mind or the same goal uh, in mind. And he, like I said, became my mentor. He had done several deals, a lot of HUD deals and uh, other just traditional wholesaling. He was starting to dabble in the rehab side as well. But he was a great resource. And uh, and he actually allowed me to have access to some of his databases of buyers, which really helped. Um, and some of those, I actually did some mailing, direct mail to them. And that actually was fairly effective. Um, but then I decided I can't wait. Uh, for these buyers to call me back and hope that they call me back. So I just found ways to contact these people directly via phone and just cold call them. And that's become very effective. You were uh, contacting his buyers via phone and then uh, make building the relationship that way? No, he was in a completely different market. Okay. Uh, but he had access to a database that was national. Gotcha. So I was okay. able to grab buyers from my market to contact. No, that was a great point right there. So for all the listeners out there, if you don't have a buyer's list, network with somebody that does. Did you give him a piece of the action or was he just a super generous guy? (laughs) Yeah, we had a deal worked out. Uh, The the first deal, uh, we did split 50-50, which was great. I think the first deal, uh, I paid him a couple grand somewhere in that ballpark. So let's go into that first deal a little bit. You, You found the property or did he find it? I found it. Okay. Yeah, can you share how you found it and then how you... You know, we'll go through each step there. Go ahead and let's uh, let's hear how you had yeah, found your first yeah, deal here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first deal that I did, you know, I sent out hundreds, if not thousands, of postcards originally, and really, uh, I, I learned a lot. Was on the phone a lot. I learned what did and didn't work on the phone with sellers and things of that nature. But I didn't do any deals off those postcards in the beginning. Now, I do now, but but in the beginning, I didn't, and it was mainly because of my inexperience. I'm sure there were a lot of deals that I let go that I I didn't realize there were deals at that time. Um, But what I actually was doing previously, I was going on a site called ListSource. I'm sure you've heard of it or the listeners have. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, grabbing, you know, absentee, uh, absentee owners, vacant properties, things of that nature with high equity and trying to go in uh, areas around me that I could you know, relatively easily get to those locations and get, maybe go inspect the house or have someone that I, you know, met, maybe go look at the house or something. Uh, so that I was, you know, trying to stay at least somewhat local and I wasn't having too much success. And again, it was a lot, probably because of a lot of my inexperience, but then I actually started trying to go into some more niche lists and I actually found a way and it was through several, several calls and emails, uh, with the uh, county clerk here, but I finally found someone that would give me access to all the evictions in the county. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get copies of the eviction list. Now, the only problem was they were in PDF. Uh, and I wanted to be able to send them to, to send them to a mailer 
so that I could just mass mail out to all these uh, these evictions to these landlords that have evicted people. Uh, so I actually had to go on Fiverr. I love Fiverr. I use it all the time. Yep. And I found a VA uh, that was good with uh, spreadsheet work, and he created the PDF or converted the PDF into a spreadsheet that I could send to the mail company, and they were able to send out letters to all these landlords that have been, you know, recently evicted people. And that's actually how I first I got my first deal. That's a very good list. I would highly suggest the evictions list. Um, and I, I sent it out and I, I, I spoke to this, uh, the seller. I mean, you know, you, you hear these, you hear these phrases, tired landlord. Uh, and he really was, I mean, he was absolutely exhausted and he was managing these properties all by himself. He had several of them and he was just worn out and I caught him at the right time. Uh, that list was very effective. You know, he, you, you, mail within, you know, 30 days of those filings, I've had pretty good success. And, uh, you know, he had several other properties. This one was kind of a pain in the side. Uh, he could, he had some repairs that needed to be done on it and he was just worn out and didn't want to do the repairs anymore. So he let it go at a super, super sweet price. You know, that was a great strategy you shared there first off. Cause I mean, I'm in eviction court every couple months dealing with uh, headaches. If you someone approaches me on the right day there, I'm fire selling deals too, you know, because you're just done. You're like, go ahead. You can have it. It's true. <laughs> you know, but uh, so he agrees to sell it to you. You, you tie it up under contract. Do we uh, use private funding to close on it? Or are we assigning this deal? I actually assigned this deal. Okay, cool. Um, I, yeah, and, and the neat thing was I actually... <laughs> I spoke to them on the phone. I talked to them about two or three times, uh, negotiated the deal uh, quite a ways down, and finally got to a point to where I was like, I'm real confident I can get rid of this property, you know, uh, if I buy at this price. Right. So I got them under contract. I just emailed it to him. I emailed it with one of you know, with my iPhone. I write the contract on my iPhone and everything. I mean, I, I'm completely mobile with my iPhone. And, and again, I've had to be because I'm there in my cubicle. Uh, so I, I've had to, to figure out ways to become extremely efficient and not require a lot of equipment or extra outside, you know, fax machine or anything like that. I've had to figure out how to make it really, uh, streamlined. So mm-hmm. emailed the contract, he emailed it right back to me. And literally in less than 72 hours, I sent it out to several of the buyers that I've been contacting and, uh, I got multiple offers and finally, you know, I think I made, I think $4,300, I believe, on my first assignment. And then, of course, I, I took care of my, my mentor part of that, uh, you know, with our agreement. So you made, a, after you paid everybody off, you walked away with a little more than a couple grand then? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh-huh. Well done. Yeah. So the first deal's in the bag. You're hooked at this point. How are we scaling <laughs> from there? This is when you start building the team? Yeah, this is pretty much when I started building the team because I'd realized that, uh, you know, the more mail I sent, the more time I needed to be on the phone especially with sellers. Mm-hmm. And I particularly, I'm okay on the phone with sellers, but I know that I'm not the best. And I know that um, I'm much better with buyers than I am with sellers on the phone. It's just for some reason, my, my, uh, my personality and my, my approach is better with buyers. So I, I went to a couple of RIA groups. Uh, also was networking heavily on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook groups, things of that nature and really started hitting, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders, I guess, with local investors that were, you know, like I said, like-minded. We've talked about that before. Um, and uh, I found a couple guys that had done some wholesale deals. They were hungry. 
Um, and I like their, their vision, uh, and they seem to be really good on the phone. So I tried a couple of them out. One, the first one didn't work out real well, uh, and we kind of moved on and, and um, went our separate ways. Uh, but the second and the third, and I've actually got a fourth now. I've got uh, three guys that I work with that uh, make calls for me uh, fairly regularly and following up the sellers, uh, things like that. And, and uh, they're able to uh, take care of that side. And then I build my buyer's list. And I also have my VAs help me with uh, building the buyer's list as well. And that help, that's how we kind of scale things. So your your team members there, the three guys you have working with you now, they're strictly commission-based too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all get paid when we sell something. Right, yeah. right. That's perfect. So it's not costing mm-hmm. you anything to put a team together. Probably your VA. Um, and we can go into that right. next. But, I mean, to have actual sales staff that you don't have to pay every week, I mean, that's awesome. Right. It that's just not, paid on results. The easiest thing in the world to find people that are committed as much as you are, because obviously, as a business owner, you're the one many times, or the, probably the only one that's actually uh putting up their own money to uh, do the direct mail and, and systems and, you know, uh, CRMs and, and phone numbers and websites and things of this nature. You're the only one putting that. So no one's going to be as committed or as really honestly, in my case, as aggressive as you are. Uh, that's going to be a challenge that you're going to, you're going to have to overcome. You're going to have to find people that are self-motivated. Mm-hmm. That's tricky. Yes, it but, is. Uh, but you know, uh, it's doable. You can, find, I've got, uh, I've got, Three good guys right now that I work with regularly, and uh, I'm very pleased with uh, with what they do. And even though we don't always uh, have the same sense of urgency on everything, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's reasonable. I mean, I think that the the service or the the uh, the partnership is working well for all of us. You know, especially when we make sales, obviously. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. great. I want to I want to touch base on the VA part, but I actually have a a Q and A section where I have the listeners submit questions that they want answered on the show. And the first mm-hmm. one actually comes from Hugh Hill, and he says, "Do you have a VA system in place?" So this is perfect time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, and I, you know, it's funny. I've gone through VAs. I'm kind of having a VA uh, little little VA moment, uh, if you will, um, having uh, little challenges with my, my latest VA. Um, and that's one of those things that you're going to have. I mean, these are, these are people that are, uh, they are educated. They speak very, uh, very good English in most cases, but a lot of times you're going to get them in the Philippines. Um, and the culture is slightly different. Uh, so some of the things that, you know, some of the, the phrases that we say or the words that we say don't always mean the same thing or they don't completely get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it kind of slows the process down, you know, um, there, there's definitely a learning curve. You have to, you have to be willing to let them make some mistakes. It's going to happen. Uh, but you just use that as a training opportunity to, to kind of help them through that. And it helps them. And it also in return, it's going to help you, um, you know, the better they get at the business, the, the, more familiar they get with your processes and what you're looking for and things like that. So VAs are awesome. Um, you know, I use them for several things. I've got some that, that do not get on the phone. Uh, they prefer to, and, and I also prefer uh, that they, they do just Excel spreadsheet stuff, do uh, search public records for me, things like that. And then I've got one that, that does phone stuff for me and makes calls to buyers generally. 
All right. And then if you don't mind, where are you finding your VAs and how do you pre-screen them? Is it off Fiverr? Are you using Elance? You know, I've, I've tried a lot of things, Mike. Um, I've actually gone through, um, it used to be called, it used to be called, it's called Upwork now. And I've had pretty good success with that. Uh, you know, most of them cost you somewhere around 4 to $6 an hour. And uh, most of them that I find on there, since you're able to kind of read their bio and look and see what kind of, uh, you can tell when you're reading their bio and they talk about, uh, you know, worked as a real estate VA for X amount of years, familiar with CRMs like Podio and FreedomSoft and things like this. I mean, when they start saying some of the terminology and then building lists from public records and, and, uh, and uh, you know, doing mailing and Craigslist ads and things like this, the normal real estate investing terminology and kind of catchphrases, you, you kind of know that it's a pretty good, pretty good shot. You're going to have somebody that at least knows, knows, a, knows kind of what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you're going to have some that are, that are more experienced than others, and sometimes the bio is a, a bit misleading. <laughs> but I usually try with uh, real short projects or small projects at the beginning just to kind of see what they're like. Right. And then if I like them, then I'll move forward. No, great call. I like that, too. That way you're not overcommitted. You give them a one-off, and if it doesn't work yeah. out, no big deal. Exactly. Yeah, but then, you know, I've used VA, uh, VAs on uh, Fiverr as well. Mm-hmm. Fiverr's a little bit more difficult, in my opinion. Because you can't, uh, for VAs anyway, uh, because per Fiverr terms, you're not supposed to give them contact information and things like that. And that becomes really difficult when you need them, when you need to talk to them and kind of give them an idea of the project that you want them to do. Mm -hmm. It's great to be able to talk to them on phone or Skype. Um, And then in addition to that, when you're giving them contact information for you, like for instance, when I want them to call buyers or to email buyers or put ads on Craigslist, I have to give them my contact information so that those buyers, when they see those ads or those emails or whatever they are, they can contact me. And that's, again, you know, that's kind of a gray area with Fiverr. Uh, You know, you're not supposed to really give them that kind of information, uh, contact information. So it's been a little challenging on Fiverr and kind of figuring ways out around that. Um, But uh, generally, uh, you know, Upwork or, or another company similar to that would be, in my opinion, a little bit better, a little bit easier to work with. No, I appreciate you sharing all the details on that. That was great. And we got yeah. uh, our next question comes from Britt. And I think she's actually from West Palm. So she's uh, at least in your state there. Uh, she says, mm-hmm. how do you consistently bring in leads? <laughs> Boy, that's, that's ever changing. You know, I'm <laughs> trying a lot of new stuff lately. Uh, right on. You know, I did, a lot of, I did a lot of direct mail and I still do. I did uh, a lot of yellow letters, handwriting or hand addressing letters. Mm-hmm. And boy, my wife and I would stay up for hours, you know, every night, Monday through Saturday for months. And, uh, boy, it was just wearing us out. You know, it really was. I bet. Uh, you know, we would send out, we would handwrite, you know, probably around 100 a night. Uh, you know, most, and it got very expensive as well, as you can imagine. Uh, but it, they were very effective. I will give you that. Okay. But, Good. man, were they expensive. Uh, so I found that postcards was a much more efficient uh, process for me with my lifestyle, with my family's uh, lifestyle. Postcards, I could just do a lot more postcards and get roughly the same response for a lot less effort. So anyway, postcards end up being better for me um, just because of my lifestyle. But overall, I think the letters definitely uh, converted better. Um, but then uh, after that, you know, Honestly, you can go to Craigslist and find a lot of deals. I mean, I know that there's a lot of wholesalers on there putting 
fake ads and things like that. But that's all right, because when you call these ads and you find out, you can tell pretty quick when you have somebody serious on the line. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you find out they're an investor themselves trying to get, you know, trying to build a buyer's list, or maybe they just sold the property and it's gone or under contract. It's a title company not available anymore. They just didn't take the ad down. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect opportunity to ask them what other properties they have for sale or what other deals they have cooking. Uh, so that's great. I mean, absolutely take advantage of every single call that you make on Craigslist. Cause you're going to meet someone that's going to have a buyer that's looking for what you're, you're selling. And you're also going to meet someone that has property that doesn't have the buyers that you have. So you're going to be able to network, use their inventory and also use their buyers to get deals done. And networking's free. So yeah, I preach that constantly, always network with people because you never know when your next door is going to open for you. So I'm glad uh, you Absolutely. shared that there. And then yeah, I, it, it's huge. I would say if there were, if there were one tool or one technique uh, that I could do is, um, is it's networking. It's get on the phone and network with as many investors and buyers and wholesalers that you can possibly find. And trust me, you would be surprised. You're going to find inventory that way and you're going to find buyers that way and you're going to be the guy that everybody knows and you're going to know everybody else i mean it's going to work out it's really going to work in your favor so i would say that right there in my particular case has built my business faster than anything else it's just getting on the phone and networking cold calling people whatever it takes just stay on the phone yeah i'm glad you uh brought that up because it was uh i even wrote a thing about it it says would you cold call investors for $2,500? Because I did a cold calling <laughs> campaign and it actually panned out to that. So it's like, that's how you got to envision it. Because not everybody oh, wants course. to cold call, but if someone's going to no. hand you 2500 bucks, you will pick up the phone and yeah. make it happen, you know? Absolutely. And the thing to think about when you're calling these people, I mean, they're investors, they're looking for deals. And this market is heating up and it's hard to find good deals. So if you're a person that is calling them to see if you can help them find deals, they're not mad at you generally. They are welcoming you with open arms because any possible way that they can find a deal, they're open to it. I mean, they really are. So when you call these people and you're just genuine, you're yourself, say, hey, you know, I'm an investor in the area. I buy and I sell properties. What are you looking for? I mean, what's your exit strategy? You really get to know what they do, what their exit strategy is, what exactly they're looking for, where exactly they're looking for it. And, you know, the more you do that, I mean, boy, you're really, really going to see your business blow up. You're going to uncover all kinds of uh, interesting things. You're going to learn all kinds of things about the market, too. So, I mean, there's so many benefits to cold calling people. And it's really not that cold when you, when you, uh, when you really drill it down. And, uh, you know, after you, you call a few, you'll be like, oh, yeah, these people aren't mad at me. They're open to this. That's no problem at all. Yeah, it's actually what's interesting about the real estate game, too. Most people are very open to just start, you know, open conversation and find out what the other party's all about. So that is a perk to real estate, you know. Now, let me, here's uh, the final question from Mary, and I think this is a great one since you've just taken massive action the past year. She says, what are some common roadblocks you see holding newbies back? Oh, boy, over-education, if that's a a phrase. Uh, Yeah, I mean... You, you hear the phrase of, uh, what is it, uh, education overload or information overload. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got a lot of people that, 
they really want to feel like they know the whole process. They want to know, okay, what do I say to this person? Okay, what do I do with this contract? Oh, my goodness, what contract do I use? Uh, you know, is this, uh, you know, do I need to do this first or this first or this first? And then, you know, where do I get the list? Where do I get this? I mean, there's a lot of things to know, obviously. Um, however, the most important thing is, you know, get a list, mail it out, Stay on the phone constantly with, with investors uh, and other, you know, and, and buyers and building that database, that investor database and things. Those are the important things. And taking action and not giving up and learning and, and all those things as you go from your phone calls. But, you know, sitting there all night, you know, all day and every night reading through every possible course, which I did. <laughs> I think we've all you done know, that. For yep. months. <laughs> I did that two or three months in 2014. I did that because I wanted to know everything. Honestly, 90% of that stuff, I didn't need to know. I really didn't. Uh, you know, I just needed to take action. I mean, I know that you, you kind of hear that. There's a lot of people saying that nowadays, take massive action. Uh, but it's true. It really, really is true. If you just take the action and do not give up, uh, you're going to see results at some point. Uh, you know, so I would just say really, really be careful First of all, uh, be careful. Don't don't read and learn and, and consume too much stuff because you'll get overloaded and you'll get confused and you'll, you'll mix techniques up and mess things up. Yep. Um, and then also, you're going to get different views from everyone you listen to. You really are. And, you know, to say that one of them is right over the other, I mean, I don't know. I can't really say that. I mean, some people think that, for instance, sellers are more important than buyers. I personally disagree with that, but there are a lot of people that are unbelievably successful that have that whole um, idea that sellers are more important and that's what they focused on and they saw great success. So, you know, just pick one and stick with it and, and just keep your nose down and your, eye, you know, your eyes forward and just keep pushing through. Yeah, once you muscle through that first deal, it gets so much easier yeah. after that. So it's just, like you said, you take massive action on the first one. And it'll be smooth, smoother sailing, at least after that. So Yeah. Yeah, generally speaking, absolutely. No, that's awesome. You've shared a tremendous amount with us today, uh, loads of strategy, and you've inspired all of us to actually get out there and do something. Where is the best place for the listeners to connect with you? You know, I, I, I've been talking about a lot about, uh, about phone. Um, I would just say, give me a call, you know, leave me. Leave me a message as if you uh, you were on the podcast, and we'll get we'll get connected. You know, and I'm not afraid of state lines. Uh, I actually do deals outside of the state now too, so um, that's not a problem. So if you've got deals, uh, or if you're looking for deals in Florida and you're elsewhere, or if you are looking for buyers, or if you just want to talk and kind of walk through some things, you know, uh, I'll be happy to uh, kind of share some other techniques, and maybe we can kind of network and and maybe do some deals together. So. Just give me a call. Uh, you can call me on my phone number. Uh, you can leave a message if I don't answer, but 863-229-0155. Oh, that's awesome. See it? Everybody network with Mike. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Mike, this has been so much fun. I hope to connect with you real soon in the near future here. Nah, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for your time. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in today. For more tips on real estate investing and creating streams of passive income, stop by michaelalder.com or connect with me on Twitter at michaelalder34, or you can find me on Facebook. All right, everybody. Thanks, and let's take action today.